0: I'm Rachel, and I'm Leah, and, and this, this is, is hashtag, hashtag history. history, the podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike,
1: where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Hey guys. Hashtag history episode 28. I'm Rachel. And I am Leah. You probably know that by our voices. Do I even need to say that?
0: I mean, I, I, we do say it in the intro and then two seconds later say I, it. In you're the so podcast. right. I kind of like it because I say it different every week.
1: Okay, I and I say it the exact same way. You every do, week. yeah. <laughs> I, I say it there because I have listened to podcasts before where there's like two hosts, and you're sometimes like which one? Not sure, are they? but it's
0: very we're very obvious. And,
1: and you're absolutely right that we literally say it in our intro music. And then point two seconds later, say it again.
0: Yeah, My, I just have fun going. And I'm
2: Leah,
1: <laughs> and mine's like hella boring. So, and I sound exactly like I did in the intro. So, how about like from now on, I'll just say, "This is hashtag history," and then you can say, "I'm Leah." <laughs>
0: And, and that I, wouldn't be awkward I, at all.
1: I need no introduction, apparently. So. <laughs> we'll figure it out.
0: We'll play it by ear next time.
1: <laughs> you guys let us know what you want to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so guys, this is the second half of a two-part episode on the Jonestown Massacre. Last week, we left off with Jim Jones, the leader of the People's Temple cult, selecting the jungles of Guyana as the place where the church would plant their roots away from public scrutiny. Or so he thought. If you haven't listened to episode 28, the first half of this two-parter, I highly recommend you go do that because you can't fully understand the tragedy that occurred in Jonestown without fully understanding Jim Jones himself. And we did a lot of background foundational coverage of him in last week's episode. For sure. For anyone that needs a little reminder about the psychopath that we discussed last week, please listen here just to the sound of Jim Jones's voice laughter It's so bad. It's
2: horrible. Put up by year old. are my sight. There was no reason for um
0: but the even more disturbing thing about that that I don't know if you're going to go over this but is that that was the that whole video right there was going over the like an old person fight club that he was holding in the church
1: i'm actually because we're talking about so much i'm not going to go into detail about that so i am really glad that you brought that up
0: yeah just in passing guys he made elderly people fight for entertainment and then you heard him laughing and reacting to it and you heard some of what he was saying he was like yeah kill that old lady it's horrible
1: yeah it's horrible i'm really glad you brought that up because literally you guys there is so much shit to talk about and by shit i mean like disgusting horrible shitty things
0: yeah you mean shit that yeah okay so with that um let's drink use a drink after that. Yeah. Because he's creepy. Yep. Psychopath. Okay. Now, for part two, usually when we do two-parters, we just drink the same drink, or mm-hmm. but this time I actually prepared. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about there being two? a second drink. Yeah. yeah. So, for part two of this ridiculously depressing and disturbing two-parter, um, I thought it would be fun to do a jungle juice cocktail. Um, <sighs> now, mostly because... Like, it's going to take place in the jungle of Guyana.
1: Yeah, that's where we're headed.
0: So, the Jungle Juice cocktail that I am referencing right now, which can be found on differenceguide.com, which a lot of my cocktails recently have come from there just randomly. That's cool. Anyways, it contains vodka, light rum, triple sec, cranberry juice, orange juice, pineapple juice, (laughs) lime juice, and then simple syrup. And to get the exact like amounts we'll we'll post it to our Instagram like we always do,
1: and like Leah said before we came in and started recording with all of those juices may or may not actually taste liquor
0: no even though there are two types of liquor in there, um doubtful that we will Correct. taste it at all, right. especially since it's vodka um like we don't taste vodka ever never. <laughs> So, now this version of Jungle Juice is a little bit different than most. From what I can tell, Jungle Juice more modernly refers to, you guessed it, a Kool-Aid-based cocktail. <laughs> um, but since that is pretty much what we drank for the last episode, I wanted to change it up. Mm-hmm. So, the reason I chose this cocktail is because, as I learned from our friends at 100 Proof History, Boop. who also recently did a Jonestown um two-parter episode which like we were like what the frick we were planning this guys
1: (laughs) we plan our episodes like several weeks in advance and when they like months actually yeah you know you're absolutely right several months in advance and when they drop their two-part Jonestown I was like so you suck, and, but, but I can say that because they are our friends, and I said that to them personally. So. Yeah.
0: But um, as we learned from them, um, certain members of the temple created a hooch-type drink during their time in the jungles of Guyana, which they called jungle juice. Yes. Now, after hearing that, I thought that this might actually be where the term jungle juice came from, but it turns out it goes even further back. That's cool, because that is something they mentioned in their episode. Like, I wonder what the origins of it yeah, are. Yeah, so... I'm about to drop some knowledge on you. All of us. Yes. Um, So it's believed that the name originated in the South Pacific during World War II, where American soldiers improvised such a concoction using any commonly available materials in the surrounding jungles for fermentation, distillation, and flavoring, a.k.a. hooch. That's
1: very interesting.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if the people of Guyana, like knew that and then kind of just switched it up a Uh little bit but basically they called it jungle juice i love it and then
1: just to go back to um hundred proof history if you guys don't already listen to them i assume if you're listening to a history podcast you're into history however some of you guys are just really awesome and really supportive so maybe that's not the case yeah um but if you are really into history that would be one to check out and they did do a really good two-parter on jonestown where they talk about a lot of stuff that even we don't yeah, because I think
0: each of their episodes were like an hour and a half long Correct. or something. So they like dove deep.
1: Yes. So I would definitely recommend checking them out. Mm-hmm. Um, ready to try these drinks? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I forgot we actually have to
0: drink it. Yeah, of course we do. Oh, cheers. Tastes like juice.
1: Yep. Tastes like orange juice.
0: Pineapple juice and cranberry juice. Yeah, all three of those. Right. Mm-hmm. Lime juice, too nope (laughs) well there was just a squirt of lime juice so it tastes
1: good what would you rate this one um i feel like this one needs to be rated similar to the was it the stanford one where we were like i can't remember if it was that episode but where we were like on a scale of non-alcoholic beverages i would call it this on a scale of alcoholic beverages i would call it this
0: your straw is about to fall out it's so long yeah it's it's very very long guys (laughs) anyways um that's what she said Mm -hmm. um so yeah you can't taste the alcohol it's actually not my favorite we've ever had but i think that's just because like after after leonardo's drink the leonardo da vinci
1: drink was the best drink we've ever had on this podcast guys i
0: like the bar was raised to a level that i can't i don't know
1: yeah it's unattainable now so um this is going to be our last episode guys (laughs) that's
0: (laughs) it for for us signing off i actually let's not even finish
1: or yeah you're right let's not finish either here are two options we're done Mm -hmm. or we're having the Da Vinci drink for every episode and we will find a way to make a correlation.
0: Um, I could do that.
1: Yeah. It's going to be the exact same drink for the next 700
0: weeks. And, and I'll describe it in detail every time like I always do. Yeah. Even though it's the same drink every week.
1: I am supporting this decision.
0: It's going to be a lot of money, seeing as the ingredients <laughs> cost me, like, $50. That's
1: right. That's right. So, again, we're at the part of the story where Jones has moved the main hub of his church to Guyana, which would later be nicknamed Jonestown. By 1978, Jonestown boasted a whopping 900 members.
0: I like how you went from 20,000 to 900. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, I get it. Like 20,000 people wouldn't move to Guyana. Correct. Yeah.
1: You got it. Exactly. A lot of them were still um, back in California, majority of which were in San Francisco Mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. Interestingly, Jones himself made his way to Guyana on the very same night that an article in the New West magazine was released with allegations and complaints from prior church members that had since defected.
0: And these were like horrendous allegations. Horrible.
1: Horrible. Jonestown had been described, like you read in a quote in the last episode, Leah, from a church, a former church member, as a sort of utopia. Guyana was the only country in South America with English as its official language, which was obviously really appealing to a bunch of English-speaking Americans. Once arriving in Guyana, though, the people found that it was no utopia. Immediately upon arriving jones confiscated all of his followers passports so that they couldn't leave without receiving express permission from him that to me is like terrifying red flag
0: i mean if all of the other crap wasn't a red flag
1: but also this feels like one of those things where you're already there he asks, like he demands your passport what do you do
0: run okay well, there's, that's an option um anyway. remember two types of people here
1: yeah you're right we've talked about this before two types of people you would be the one that would run me i'd be I'm like, like this i'd be like well that sucks yeah. <laughs> Guess i'm sh- not going home where's the jungle juice guys <laughs> <laughs> They also found that the soil in Guyana was not conducive to growing crops, and the people of Jonestown found themselves eating small rations of imported rice and beans pretty much every
0: day. Which, like, they knew, I mean, they didn't know ahead of time, but the leaders of the church, including Jones, knew knew, that it was not conducive for growing crops. Yes,
1: but the rest of his followers were told, we're headed to the promised land. Those
0: were the words used. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure this comes as zero surprise to you, Leah, that within just a few months of being in Guyana, the Jonestown people were subjected to nonstop diarrhea. So I watched this documentary, the same one now we've discussed in last week's episode. Apparently, Leah and I watched the exact same documentary within just a couple weeks of each other and didn't discuss it. So we're close enough that we talk about diarrhea with one another. We don't talk about like the history or documentaries that we watch. No, we don't. I guess not. Yeah. So we watched this one documentary not together about Jonestown that ABC 10 put together. You guys can actually find it on YouTube. It's a really, really good documentary. Um, but something that the narrator said that both made me laugh and it made me mad at the same time. He said, Jim Jones was the only person to gain weight in Jonestown. Yep. Jones's diet consisted of far more than the imported rice and beans. He was enjoying meat and fruit and soda, and he was enjoying an air-conditioned space with a personal refrigerator, unlike the rest of Jonestown that were living in communal, non-air-conditioned spaces in the hot, muggy
0: weather. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, another thing that Jim Jones was enjoying was a shit ton of
0: drugs. (laughs) Yeah, he sure was.
1: (laughs) Jones was known to use amphetamines to keep him going and barbiturates to bring him down. Yeah. Yeah. Barbiturates. After Jonestown was raided, the New York Times reported that Quaaludes, Valium, Morphine, and Demerol were amongst the drugs found there. The extent to which the congregation used these drugs is not known, but it is believed that Jones did indeed use drugs to control his people and their behaviors.
0: I mean, that would make sense as to why 900 people followed him into the jungle. Because
1: they were in a stupor. Yeah. Yeah. They are drugged up. You're right. Jones didn't do such a great job of behaving himself, though. It was often pretty clear when he was high on drugs. In fact, it has long been rumored that the reason he wore those dark sunglasses, the ones that um, we described in last week's episode when we were looking at a picture of him, um, the reason why he wore those dark sunglasses all the time was because the extensive use of amphetamines made his eyes sensitive to the light. His eyes were also said to have been basically bloodshot 24-7. And so he hid his, his eyes to get away with his excessive drug use.
0: Which it should be said that he was wearing those sunglasses long before this move to Guyana. You're so correct. he was exhibiting these behaviors that probably meant he was taking drugs for like a decade before Guyana. Right. I think they said it got really worse and worse leading up to it. Um, but no, he, he was taking congregational money and buying, what was it, meth?
1: Uh, mostly meth. Yep. Cool. No, you're absolutely right. It's not like all this just happened when they got to Jonestown. No. It just got worse. Yeah. He told his congregation that the reason he was wearing those sunglasses, though, was because he had so much power within him that if people saw his eyes directly, they just wouldn't be able to handle it.
0: I'm I'm imagining, I don't know why, like Indiana Jones... Is there something in Indiana <sighs> Jones or like yes um, yes yes
1: in in Indiana Jones when he and the woman are tied up to the thing and they have to close their eyes and not look yeah at the very end of that one movie mm-hmm. where um, I actually I remember like as a kid
0: this scared me
1: uh no not where I was going with that as a kid being very um like my parents aren't into like romantic movies at all mm-hmm. they were into like action mo- like Indiana Jones yeah. movies and so I remember like I do like like romance movies and stuff so i remember the scene where he's like i have a wound here and he points to like his cheek and she okay kisses it kisses his cheek, yeah points to his forehead and then he eventually points to his lips and she kisses lips and i remember being very um turned on i wasn't gonna say turned on i was gonna say very intrigued
0: oh, okay <laughs>
1: by that scene okay so whenever i think of that particular indiana jones i think of that scene um okay so Speaking of it being pretty obvious when Jones was high, let's take a listen to another audio clip of him giving a sermon here. Yes.
2: Sunday news. The gold medal car, two Soviet exhibits, the latest Nixon, the Neva, rather, car and a circular grinding machine made in the Ukraine won gold medals at the 20th International in- Engine Fair in Brno, Czechoslovakia. Another go- gold ma- model went to a, a turbo-electric city bus designed jointly by Soviet and Czechoslovakian engineers and others in the products from Western countries USA and other several other s- countries from several different locations. It's windy on the moon. Although the moon has the atmosphere, dust storms appear in the two inch layer above the atmosphere. The wind is electrically powered being caused by electrostatic fields generated by solar radiation. Report scientists from the Joffe Institute of Physical Engineering in Moscow. These mini-storms are particularly strong at the boundary between the light and dark side of the moon. Strain a trained eagle. So,
1: what the fuck?
0: Fuck. right so that whole entire time i kept commenting like is he just pulling these like oh the institute of whatever out of his ass like I, or did he plan this i don't even know
1: um my favorite part of this whole recording is that when i was putting this episode together i was of course like listening to several audio files and stuff to prepare yes for this sitting there on the bed my fiance alex that i refer to often mm-hmm. um overheard me listening to the audio and of course his response was like you do know that the moon doesn't have an atmosphere right so i say to him like yes that's the point like we're showing we're demonstrating how doped up jones was and he was like okay 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 cool cool. he's like cool just making sure and then it's like we listen to a little bit more and he's like oh also you do know there is no dark side to the moon right i'm like okay yeah yeah okay that's like that's what i'm demonstrating here so if that doesn't do it for you guys. That audio, in addition to Alex's commentary, Jones was doped up. Pull, I'm assuming pulling stuff out of his ass.
0: I mean, that's a little impressive. Like, if you can just, while you're f- up on drugs, yeah. Like, if you can just be like, oh, and the um Institute of Georgia Tech, you know, whatever. Because that's not what I sound like. No. When... I mean, this podcast is proof of that. There have been times where we've gotten a little, a little bit. I tipsy. hope I sound like a
1: little. Intelligence. Well, still. we're reading though. You're correct. Stuff that I wrote when I was sober. Were you? Mostly sober. Okay. Yeah. So Larry Schacht, the only doctor on site at Jonestown and whose medical school had been paid for by Jones, was a former meth addict himself. Hmm. He was the one that was able to gather the significant amount of drugs that Jones required and administered much of them to Jones as well. Jones also had other vices.
0: One in particular were his sexual exploits. Yeah, I'm glad we're actually digging into this because this is a gross but intriguing aspect of this whole thing.
1: Right. Jones made a decision pretty early on that in order to receive the sexual satisfaction he desired, he would need to get it from within the church. Mm -hmm. Jones had gotten himself in some trouble seeking sex outside of the church, a.k.a. he approached an undercover officer at a gay bar and solicited sex from him. So he decided just to exploit and take advantage of his own people so he couldn't be destroyed from the outside. I will tell you guys some stories about Jones's sexual advances towards his followers, but first let's have a listen to yet another
0: crazy audio clip. I think I know exactly the one you're gonna play.
3: To think that people are so damn picky about who they go to bed with, and particularly you women, all you have to do is lay there, and by God, I've had to keep it going all night.
2: The only thing I can do is
3: to be an aggressive heterosexual with a man or woman. I don't care whatever you want me. You be the woman.
2: I would do that for socialism.
3: I told you there. I've had to crawl in bed with men and put up with for this cause. I've had to lay with women I hated till my skin crawled. Okay, so from
1: listening to that audio of Jones talking about... I don't even know what. Like, I
0: mean, I'm not going to lie. The last two clips, I've just kind of tuned him out and just picked out certain things that I'm hearing from him
1: and i think from that one that we just listened to it's it's like clear as mud pretty much like so you
0: are you're gay but you're not but you're not like you're willing to do gay acts that are unnecessary for the cause but but you're doing it because they're necessary for the cause but not because you enjoy them no absolutely not
1: but also because you
0: enjoy them Right, because you approached an FBI agent in a gay club. Right,
1: so Jones, he would sleep with both men and women, stating that he did not enjoy it, but that he had done it to support the cause.
0: Which is just the biggest pile of bull. I know. Like, I don't enjoy this, but but lay down. <laughs> <laughs> but spread out, spread out, I'm boy. Imagining like. The just being like i'm not enjoying I, this i am not enjoying this i would just like you to know
1: <sighs> man one of the most infamous cases of an extramarital affair that jones engaged in was with a woman named carolyn layton layton came to the church along with her husband but went on to birth one of jones's children and lived within his home where his children marceline's children his wife's children referred to Leighton as their mom, as Jones had directed them to do. Jones claimed that Marceline, who had been his wife for nearly 20 years at this point, could no longer satisfy him sexually, and so God had instructed him to consummate with Leighton. Right. Right. I think beyond Jones being a horny pervert, there was also a lot of just like dominance and a lot of power that he gained from controlling other people and having his way with their bodies. Absolutely. And it's disgusting.
0: Yeah. No, I I think most of what he did came from like a a control and a power, a a like need or want for power Mm -hmm. that he couldn't find in other ways.
1: But I would equally say he was a horny pervert as well. Well, yeah. His exploitations of his church's finances are disgusting, too. The primary source of revenue for Jonestown was by way of social security checks that his followers were forced to hand over to him. This equated to approximately $65,000 a month.
0: Which, like, other than buying a crappy plot of land in a country that no one has ever heard of before, <laughs> what is that going towards? Meth.
1: Yeah, you're right. Meth and his
0: air-conditioned, refrigerated room. I, ju- I still like part of me is like okay I buy all the meth in the world, I buy my crappy little plot of land and I put an AC unit on there. There's still money That's left. Still like okay that was one month's worth. Right. What I, I mean maybe. maybe I don't I'm unrealistic about how much meth costs, but
1: yeah I was gonna say I don't I don't know how much meth costs guys. Naivete here. Yeah for I don't sure. Know.
0: But like the, the sixty five a month yes which is like more than some people see in a year yeah no absolutely not in california necessarily but like i would say those middle states that i can't even name 65 (laughs) is like a good that you're you have hit
1: the jackpot with your job here in california you've hit the jackpot when you get over ninety thousand. absolutely
0: that's the that's the threshold the
1: official jackpot is over 100 but like if you're making in the upward 80s to 90s like Okay, you got yourself you're, a really you're comfortable. Good
0: job. You're comfortable. You're
1: yeah, you're you are a step above comfortable. Right.
0: Yes. You're you're a step above yeah. You're not
1: buying a brand new car, but like it might not be a used car by six, seven years. It might be only a year old used.
0: Right. It might be a used Tesla, but it's a used Tesla. Yeah.
1: Or it might be a brand new Acura. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So remember toward the end of part one, where we talked about Jones's paranoia reaching an all time high and that that was why the church fled to Guyana in the first place. Mm -hmm. Well, I lied (laughs) now is when his paranoia reached an all time
0: high for sure
1: (laughs) here in Jonestown. He began conducting what were called white nights Uh. in which he would gather his congregation and tell them that the government was out to get them and that they would one day have to die for the cause. They even conducted a test run in which he made his followers. Well, Leah, I'll just have you read it. This is a firsthand account from a follower that defected from the compound. It
0: wasn't just one test run. Like, apparently he did these frequently. You're absolutely
1: right. There was more than one. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay. Everyone, including the children, was told to line up. As we passed through the line, we were given a small glass of red liquid to drink. We were told that the liquid contained poison and that we would die within 45 minutes. We all did as we were told. (sighs) When the time came when we should have dropped dead, Reverend Jones explained that the poison was not real and that we had just been through a loyalist test. He warned us that the time was not far off when it would become necessary for us to die by our own hands. So that
1: is horrible.
0: Each week, Jason Horton revisits a different year along with the strange history and the cultural happenings during that year. Get your weekly Weird History Fix with Strange Year. You can listen to Strange Year wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Okay, let's jump back to part one of the Jonestown Massacre episodes. Do you guys remember um, Timothy Stowen, the man that came to the People's Temple with his wife and then signed an affidavit signing over his son's life to Jim Jones and the church? Mm -hmm. For any listeners that have no idea what I'm talking about, This is your sign to go re-listen to part one. Mm -hmm. I know it's been a long week and you've already forgotten what we talked about last week. It's okay, guys. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Do yourself a favor and give it another listen and then meet us right back here. We'll be here. Yeah. We're waiting. (laughs) We'll just
0: be waiting. We'll just hold. Pause.
1: All right. You guys ready? Yep. At the end of part one, we were talking about the Stowens and how they had defected from the church and were beginning their fight for custody of their son. The Stowans and their efforts to get their son back is actually what blew this whole Jonestown thing wide open. The Stowens fought through the U.S. court system to regain custody of their son, John Victor Stowen. But the seven-year-old boy was in Guyana, complicating everything that much more. That alone to me is absolutely crazy. Yeah. The parents were back in the States and their seven-year-old son is in Guyana.
0: Being quote raised by a meth head it
1: like i'm we've talked we both are pretty emotional people like just talking about this actually makes my eyes like a little bit watery yeah their seven-year-old son was in guyana being raised by a meth head and the parents are in the states attempting to regain custody of their son despite court orders that demanded that jones return the boy to his parents jones refused and you can imagine what Jones allowing the boy to go back to the States would have done for the rest of Jonestown. It would have set a precedent and Jones would begin to lose control of his people.
0: Not to mention he's in a place that is not, there's no laws. You know what I mean? Like he's not being overlooked by any laws. So like, what are you going to do? Right. And exactly. And he took advantage
1: of that. Yeah. Between this custody battle and a handful of other former Temple members that were concerned that their family members were being held in Guyana against their will, they were able to convince U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan to investigate. Ryan was known to be a hands-on congressman that had actually once posed as a prisoner so that he could get an inside look at the conditions within Folsom Prison. Ryan, along with some journalists, traveled to Jonestown to check things out. He had written a letter in advance to Jones requesting permission to visit, but was denied. Ryan said, f*** that, and went ahead. Anyway, on November 17th, 1978, they were greeted at Jonestown by a whole musical production, a hearty dinner that included, like, meat and fruit and pastries, and temple members raving about how much they loved Jim Jones and their little utopia. Coerced much? Mm Mm-hmm. There is actually a bunch of footage of this night that you can find now on YouTube, and I highly recommend you guys check it out. My favorite video that you can find on YouTube of Jim Jones in Jonestown is him parading around and bragging about the commune there and how plentiful the earth is and whatnot. And he takes you through this whole area that is literally like overflowing with bananas. And he talks about how fruitful the soil is, but you can totally see in the video little stickers on the bananas because they had been imported. Yeah. He's alive you're a liar you're a liar harry potter reference yes (laughs) ryan personally asked a handful of people if they felt safe if they were happy if they wanted to stay in jonestown and he was told by all of them that yes jim jones was their god and they loved jonestown
0: like that's not comforting jim jones is my god yeah no that no that's not comforting at
1: all and this didn't last long anyway yeah. ryan ended up getting past a note they actually um it was a member of the church handled it to one of the like uh, production crew mm-hmm. journalists um who then because they they thought that that person was ryan um <laughs> but then passed it off to the congressman ryan this note that very same night um from two jonestown members that basically said like Please get us out of Jonestown. Mm -hmm. There ended up being 14 people joining them in their efforts to escape despite Jones's protest, which like I just mentioned, those YouTube videos that you guys should watch. There's a ton of footage from this trip that the congressman and the journalists and such took. And it is cringy, awkward, disgusting. um, The footage of the people saying like, we're leaving and Jim Jones Attempting to persuade them to stay Yeah it's really awkward It's incredibly cringy Mm -hmm. The following day November 18th 1978 Ryan, the journalist and the defectors made their way to the airstrip where an additional aircraft had to be ordered to pick them all up because there were so many of them. Mm -hmm. One defector in particular, a man named Larry Layton, which that name may sound familiar if you remember his wife, Carolyn Layton, who was the woman that had a child with Jim Jones. Larry Layton continued to be a devout follower of Jim Jones, even after his wife, had a child with Jim Jones. Mm -hmm. It's all weird. Um, Anyway, this Larry Layton guy, he caused alarm amongst the other defectors because he was such a devout follower of Jones. And it really set them off that he had come along with them saying he was defecting and he was like done with the whole Jonestown thing. Um, And they weren't wrong in their suspicions about this guy. When the first aircraft began to take off the aircraft that contained Layton, Layton pulled out a handgun and injured members on board. The others waiting on the airstrip for the other aircraft were met by a number of Jonestown members riding up in a trailer. When these members reached them, they pulled out guns and began shooting at Ryan, his crew, and the defectors still there. Some of this is actually captured on camera. That is, until the cameraman was shot and killed. Ryan was shot a total of 20 times and died. This massacre resulted in the deaths of five people and injuries to 11 others. After this devastation, Jones called together his congregation back at Jonestown and spoke to them for nearly 45 minutes in what is now known as the death tape. Here we have about two minutes of that speech for you guys to listen to.
3: What's going to happen here in a matter of a few minutes is that one of those people on that plane is going to, going to shoot the pilot. I know that. I didn't plan it, but I know it's going to happen. They're going to shoot that pilot, and down comes that plane into the jungle and we had better not have any of our children left when it's over because they'll parachute in here on us i'm telling you just as plain as i know how to tell you i've never lied to you i never have lied to you i know that's what's going to happen that's what he intends to do and he will do it he'll do it fortunately being so bewildered with many many pressures on my brain seeing all these people behave so treasonous It was just too much for me to put together, but uh, uh, I now know what he was telling me, and it'll happen if the plane gets in the air even. So my opinion is that we be kind to children and be kind to seniors and take the portion like they used to take in ancient Greece and step over quietly because we are not committing suicide. It's a revolutionary act we can't go back they won't leave us alone they're now going back to tell more lies which means more congressmen and there's no way no way we can survive Hmm? anybody wish anyone that has any dissenting opinion please speak yes You can have an opportunity, but if our children are left, we are going to have them butchered. We can make a strike, but we'll be striking against people that we we don't want to strike against. We want, we'd like to get the people who cause this stuff. And some, if some people here are, are prepared to know how to do that, to go in town and get Timothy Stone, but there's no plane. There's no plane. You can't catch a plane in time. He's responsible for it. He brought these people to us. He and Deanna Myrtle. But people in San Francisco will not not be idle over this. They're not take our death in vain, you know. Yes, Christine. Is it too late for Russia? Here's why it's too late for Russia. They kill all right so
1: through that audio leah and i were just looking at each other and making comments making comments shaking our heads one thing in particular um that's extra disturbing is the fact that you can hear a baby like crying in the background Mm -hmm. the entire time yeah it's it's really really horrific
0: and they're just like calmly discussing like well Here's the reasons why we should all kill ourselves. Yep.
1: There is, um, right where we cut off, there is one woman. So we we cut this part off, but I do recommend you guys go check out um, all the audio. Right where we cut off, there's um, a woman, one woman in particular, that she actually fought Jones on his decision to kill the whole commune, in particular the children, but it didn't matter. It was already done. His inner circle had already prepared vats of red juice, which was actually Flavor-Aid, by the way. Um, Leah teased at that in the first episode. It wasn't really Kool-Aid, guys. So when you say, like, don't drink the Kool-Aid, you're wrong. Yeah, you're you're wrong. (laughs) It was actually um, Flavor-Aid, which is kind of just like a knockoff of Kool-Aid. And um, this Flavor-Aid, it was laced with several things, but the most. uh...
0: The thing that actually did the job.
1: Being cyanide. Yes. yes. Okay. So this part here, it's extra disturbing. Um, So that's just our warning to you guys as our listeners that if you don't want to hear this, skip like two minutes because it is super disturbing. Mm -hmm. Um, The children, so they were the first to go. Adults squirted the poison into the mouths of the infants and children via syringes and then watched them die. Then the adults were given paper cups filled with a juice. They drank it and they died themselves death by cyanide is horrific Mm -hmm. basically what cyanide does is it inhibits oxygen from reaching the bloodstream so essentially you are suffocating to death it took the children about five or so minutes to die less for the infants and it would take an adult about 20 or so minutes to die from cyanide poisoning so just imagine that these adults were watching their children their grandchildren die before their eyes before they died themselves
0: to be completely honest. And I've heard this said by, I think multiple different sources, but like, I think a lot of them seeing their children die in front of their eyes, it would just be like, well, yeah, yeah. You, it would be an easy decision then to, that, you know of what I mean? I would die too. Yeah. And
1: something else I heard too, just um to go into the whole idea of like, why would people do this? Um, there were some journals from people that just said they were tired like mm-hmm. I'm I'm over this
0: bullshit they hadn't and like, been eating like they'd been eating right. tiny portions not getting enough water every day working out in the fields yes. that weren't producing actually any crops yes and they, then after how many years of Jim Jones abuse
1: they were just done. Yeah. So death almost seemed like an easy way out for some of these people.
0: And then it's like at the same time he's been running so many of those um, like fake outs. You're right. What white knights? Yep. White knights. That I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, obviously once people started actually dying they probably realized it was real. But my first reaction would be oh it's another one, guys. Yep.
1: Yep, there's, I've seen like some um, journal entries where people were like similar along those lines of like, yep, just another one. Um, There was one woman that she had defected before this case. So she wasn't there when this happened. Um, But she believes they probably knew that this one in particular was real just because Jones, you guys heard in that recording that he told them that like, We've shot and
0: killed people at the airstrip, but I didn't know about it. But I didn't plan yeah. it. But I just I know about it.
1: Yeah, I am all powerful. I know everything except for this one thing. Yeah. Um. But so there are some people that maybe did know that this one was the for real thing because oh shit we've we've killed people. Now we have to die. Yeah, because they're going to come after us. One of the children that died um, was seven-year-old John Victor Stowen, the child whose parents had been in the states desperately fighting to get their son back jones did not partake in the juice like his followers rather he shot himself in the head which was found after his death to be resting on a pillow because he's a asshole yeah
0: he probably saw uh 900 of his people um suffocating yep and decided that doesn't look so nice yeah i'm not gonna go that way
1: yeah within minutes nine hundred and eighteen people were dead, three hundred and four of which were under the age of 18. So that nine hundred and eighteen number that includes um, like the people that were at the the airstrip and stuff that were killed as well. Now, there are some pictures that we've uploaded. They're especially disturbing. I've only uploaded two because they're extra disturbing. And um, even when we do later upload them to Instagram, I am going to put one of those
0: like disclaimer warnings so go ahead, Leah. Yeah, so the first one is, it's literally just a pile of human beings. Yeah. Um, the, the disturbing thing about this is there their first analysis was like, oh my God, there's like 300 people dead here. Yep. And then they were like, no, that's the first layer of bodies. Yes. No, there's like three more layers. It's 900 people.
1: That's exactly what it's going to go into. Why this picture is so disturbing to me is like, I've just, I've never, ever, ever seen anything like that just hundreds of bodies laying on the ground and exactly like leah said when the guyanese officials got there they initially calculated it as like 300 deaths 400 deaths something like that when american officials got there they ended up calculating it in the 900s because the guyanese had only counted the top layer of people and
0: like by the time the americans got there i read somewhere that like it because Guyana was like crazy hot and like humid and stuff like they only got there a couple like a day or so later Uh or something and but it was already like so severe decomposition that it was disgusting and they couldn't they couldn't identify people correct
1: over almost like half ish of these people they couldn't identify
0: so picture number two um i believe it's showing the vat of Mm -hmm. flavor aid um that they drink from and then in the background and you can see just people lying all around um, deceased.
1: The reason I picked that picture is just because I feel like it's so ominous seeing like
0: the thing that did it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And something else that's really disturbing too is a lot of um, when officials came in later and were doing like autopsies and analysis and stuff of these uh, bodies found that that the majority of the adults, so like i said the 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 children and stuff were given the liquid via like syringes and stuff in their mouths. The majority of the adults drank them from paper cups mm-hmm. but you could see the paper cups you could see you can see the paper cups, um but some of the people that were conducting the autopsies found needle marks in mm-hmm. some of these people because they had to be forced to take the liquid, yeah. The officials arrived at the compound the following day and found the nearly thousand of bodies laying on the ground. It was devastating. People across the world were horrified by what they saw and heard. Between all of the writings and all of Jones's recorded speeches, investigators were able to pretty quickly put together what had happened. The factions of the People's Temple still here in the state disbanded and declared bankruptcy. Prior to killing his Jonestown community, Jones had placed a radio call to the People's Temple members, not in Jonestown, and told them to commit revolutionary suicide too. One follower in particular followed his instructions, killing herself, and then she killed three of her children, and then one of her kids who was 21 killed her, and then the 21-year-old killed herself. So basically, this essentially this family committed suicide following Jones's orders. Of those living in Jonestown, only 33 survived. Jones's sons were some of those that survived the incident because they had been away competing in a basketball tournament at the time of the incident.
0: Which, like, how, why are you competing in a basketball tournament? I think it's so weird.
1: I think there's, like, a whole piece that I don't understand. Like, people, they competed with, like, with whom? In, I don't know. Larry Layton, the devout follower that had followed the defectors onto the aircraft and injured members with a handgun, was criminally charged, making him the only person held criminally responsible for what happened that horrific day in Guyana. Approximately 400 of the bodies were unidentified and have since been transported and are now in a mass grave here in Oakland, California. But still the greatest legacy to come from this tragic incident is the phrase that we all hear all the time in reference to blindly foolishly following the crowd and doing something crazy don't drink the kool-aid or should i say flavor aid Mm -hmm. this episode was especially tough but we're done now and on a lighter note we have really exciting news next week is our season finale already
0: which is crazy
1: I know we say this every single time but like we're closing out our third season you guys we have almost done 30 episodes that's crazy to me yeah And to close out our third season, we have a super, super exciting and super special guest on the show next week. We will have Nicole Allison on the show. She is a public historian and a subject matter expert that works at the local California Railroad Museum. She's going to be coming on the show to talk about the museum's brand new exhibit that she was absolutely instrumental in establishing. It is called Crossing the Lines, Women of the Railroad, to honor both past and current women of the American Railroad. And we cannot wait, and we hope you guys will join us for what I know will be a really amazing episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. We will post the pictures from this episode to Instagram, and like I said, we will be posting those with a disclaimer um, because the pictures are exceptionally sensitive and tough to look at. All sources used to put this episode together can be found on our website. If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use. Share it with a friend and give us a rate and review.
0: Be sure to check us out on Instagram, too. We are at Hashtag History underscore podcast. And that's where we really have started. That's that's pretty much our main point of communication with you guys. Yeah.
1: So check us out there. Um, I think we're fun and we're cool on there.
0: We're totally cool. We're
1: very cool. So check us out. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye. 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 Selecting the jungles of Guyana. Why am I struggling? Mm. Let's do this again.
0: You're good. You're good. Okay. <laughs>
1: By da, ble, ble. those aren't the same sentence. There's actually a period there, Rachel. So mm-hmm. let's um, observe the period that you placed there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It
0: sounds like me two weeks ago. <laughs> I'm not putting that in. Um, <laughs> I I got food poisoning. Okay, guys. <laughs> And, of course, Rachel and I are so close that I was, like, (laughs) texting her (laughs) (laughs) play-by-play.
1: I wish I had looked at this guy. Satch? Satch? That's how you say it, right? Shatch? Shatch. Shatch. Shacked. Shack attack. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to say shacked. Shacked.
0: One uh, defector, Jim, or... I'm struggling. I do have to tell the story. A couple (sighs) weeks back, Rachel said it's been... Dot, dot 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 dot, and of course took a breath before I completed my sentence. And of course, my first thought was, "It's been one, one week since you looked, since it looked at me, me. <laughs> <laughs> and said I'm sorry." Right, which is bare naked ladies, I believe so since then it was stuck in my head for like days (gasps) and Rachel because it's your fault and you said that not my fault I continued to send her like I basically Rickrolled her but with this song yeah and like like like
1: like like Snapchat videos of just her lips going "it's bad" like that. I'm like, you effing suck. She found me on every social media platform, like Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, all the things, and sent me some stupid "it's bad" so.
0: It's not over yet either. The, the drink is making my throat and for clamped. <laughs>